0: So if you could, open your Bible to the book of James. It's right after Hebrews, towards the end of your Bible, if this is the first time you're opening your Bible, or maybe even the 50th time you're opening your Bible. However many times, it's right after James. Hasn't changed. Oh, sorry, right after Hebrews. (laughs) James being after James. (laughs) That's a new one. Well, what an awesome time of praise and worship. Um... It is so funny just listening to my son, you know, and and worshiping the Lord. And and he says, and man, you know, I'm just worshiping the Lord in the spirit, in and out of the spirit. I think of random things while I'm worshiping the Lord. But as I am and as I'm purposing to focus on Jesus and just seeing Him and, and, you know, reading the words and understanding what they mean and and worshiping in that way and praising Him, uh, Josiah turns to me and he says, is all we do is sing songs in here? <laughs> <laughs> and for a moment I said, well, yeah. You know, I don't want to talk too much or attract attention. So I just said, yeah. And then uh, four or five songs, I forget how many the set was, and he says, is this the last one? Are we almost done? <laughs> you, know, you know, just their child, like, just want to have fun, and um, it was cool just to <laughs> hear him and sit by him. So, uh, for a moment, I'd like to uh, get you caught up with who James is if you forgot, okay? It's been a while. We're approaching the end of the book, and uh, I know that I forget, so I want to go back and I want to reread and I want to understand who James is because I think it's important. Um, so who is James? Well, he's the oldest brother of Jesus. Um, he's the overseer was the overseer of the Judean church. Uh, we know that from Acts 12:17, right? When Paul's talking to the church and he says, "Hey, go tell these things to James." We also know from uh, Galatians 1:19, where it says, "But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother." Uh, we know from historians that he was surnamed the just so what a what a man to be surnamed the just, um, and his countrymen gave him that name. Uh, he was possibly married, we know that from 1 corinthians nine five where it says, "Do we have no right to take along a believing life, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Uh, he was a very strict Jew, and the story of his martyrdom is a testimony to his faith. You know, because as we sing those songs, and I think about the one that says, you know, as my strength um, is failing, or my strength is weakening, in one of those songs, I think about that moment where we will face eternity. You know? Um, And it's going to happen. And it's a sobering thought. It really is. And when you wake up in the morning, and his mercies are new every day, and the joy is full, and... Throughout the day, he just hits you with the reality that one day we'll face that that eternal perspective and we'll be translated to the other side. And so, at that moment, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what uh, some others have done as they've passed on before us. But what James did is a testimony to his faith. And around AD 62, AD 66, uh, as the commentaries say... Um, it's told that they told James to go up to the temple and proclaim that Jesus was not the Son of God. Okay, and this is conjecture, mind you, but um, he goes up there and he says that Jesus is the Son of God. And they don't like that. So they push him off and he falls, according to the historians, not to his absolute death, but as he's in agony and dying, I'm sure, uh, a clubsman comes and finishes him off while he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I only hope that each of us could finish our race like that. Maybe not with so much drama, (laughs) but with the faithfulness that he saw the risen Lord and he's just, he's so close, he's his brother, that we could finish just like him. Um, This is an epistle, uh, another name for a letter, okay? And it's addressed to Christian Jews. So have that in mind while we read through this text, okay? And we're going to be reading verses uh, 7 through 10 of chapter 4. And in my Bible, uh, it is entitled, Humility Cures Worldliness. But as I was studying and praying through the text, um, being encouraged really by Pastor Brian and Pastor Joey uh, Bran, that praying more than preparing the study this time. Praying twice as hard as I would prepare the message. And it's a real blessing because the Lord showed me a lot of stuff and, and I've entitled the message, Resisting Temptation, Resisting the Devil. And there's a story of a man who is a successful man. Everything he did prospered. And the Lord gave him favor. And he found favor in the eyes of even his employers. And after enough time, the company was given to him. Everything. His authority. He was second to the top guy. But one day, however, this man faced temptation. And if you're privy to the Bible, you're getting an idea of who this may be. But for those of you who don't know, this is Joseph. And Joseph was faced with a great temptation. He was face to face with the devil, really. This woman came to him, an attractive woman nonetheless, and and the Bible says that he was handsome in form and appearance. And I just imagine Joseph, you know, like a stud. He's a stud. He probably has long, wavy hair, which I wish I had, but it's not happening fallen off the top and every time I look into the mirror I deny it but those of you who look at the back of my head can see <laughs> but Joseph I just imagine this studly man with this attractive woman coming up to him saying and quote unquote lie with me I think that's as straightforward as it gets and not for one second do I even think that Joseph was tempted because Because of this text that we're about to read, he was wholeheartedly faithful to God and submitted to him. And we know that from his response, but first I want to read through the text and then come back to the story of Joseph. So if you would, your eyes on verses 7 through 10. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask now, Lord, that you would reveal what you've purposed for each one of us tonight. Meet us where we are, convict us of sin, and guide us into your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. So coming back to Joseph and chapter 39 of Genesis, we see that Joseph was submitted to God. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Have you ever sinned before and went to the person and said you know what i'm really sorry i'm really i'm i'm so sorry for what i did but not thinking for a moment to say sorry to god who you sinned against i know that i've done that or not really realizing that when you sin that you've actually sinned against god and joseph recognizes it right away he says hey Potiphar's given me everything except for you. And so how could I? How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against you, sin against God? And the question is, is how did he resist? He's resisting this temptation that's obviously from the devil. And how did he do it? We know that he did. And we know that he was submitted to God because that's the first thing in his mind. He's recognizing the temptation. He's recognizing that the devil is coming against him. And so the first thing we see in verse seven is that we should recognize when the devil is coming against us. Be conscious of the devil's attack, of the temptation. I'm so dreary today. I have no energy. Everything is bothering me and I'm so irritable have this weird headache all day long okay some things are physical but you know what why not think about these things as spiritual too it could be an attack it could be a spiritual attack and so recognizing that the devil is against us especially if you are for christ so what does it mean to resist how are we to resist the devil well The word resist means to oppose or to stand against. And the question that we all should ask ourselves is, are we resisting the devil? Are we standing against him? Are you standing against him in your workplace? Are you standing against him for your wife, in your marriage, for your kids, for your friends? Are we really standing against the devil or is he winning? Is he punching us out? I know that, you know, taking boxing for a little while, you know, you got the jab and then you've got this huge cross. This is the knockout, right? This is the one that gets you moving. Is he got you on the ropes? Is he jabbing you? Is he jabbing you high, jabbing you low? Because he's waiting to use this. And if you keep kissing his jab, this is coming. So we're going to go over a couple of things where we can realize, hey, get out of the way of the jab. Flee. Joseph did. He did physically. He ran. <laughs> Gone. So when the temptation comes, are we running? You know, there's a great illustration of this. And it's cool because it's found right in our bodies. It's our immune response to infection and disease. And the way that the body counteracts this sort of thing is amazing because God gives us these sermon illustrations all the time. I count them every one of them a sermon illustration. So an infection enters your body. Temptation, the devil. And the first thing your body does is put all forces against it. You have swelling in the area. Sometimes you got weird pus going on. Cells are dying left and right. It's getting gory. Don't worry about it. The white blood cells are coming. These macrophages are eating these cells. A bunch of cascade of events is happening to counteract the infection. It's like the military, or the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force, everybody is against the infection. But then... After this offensive attack, there's a secondary response that our immune system does, and it's strategic. It's a defense mechanism against that force. And you know what's rad? Is it never wins again. There's a countermeasure already put in place within our lymphatic system and our bone marrow, and we've marked God has put these cells to be able to mark these other guys and say, oh, here it comes again. There's the lust. Oh, we have an army built for you, lust. We just destroyed you again. And you don't even recognize it, but you're probably getting infected all the time. But your body has built up these antibodies for these infections. And so too in our spiritual life. It should be that we resist against the devil with an all-out attack to begin with. What does that look like? Throw away the computer. Is that causing you to sin? Throw it away. No matter how tempting a Mac is versus a PC, throw it away. (laughs) Trash the DVDs. Maybe it's, don't go back for seconds. Rip up the magazines. Stop the late night visits if you don't have a ring on your finger. Whatever means necessary. Then begin mounting up a strategic defense against the next attack. Always be on red alert. Right? Whenever it's all peaceful, just expect something coming. The devil, he wants you. He wants to win and he's not going to because James in verses 8, 9, and 10 gives us the method, the application of taking care of it. We have a great example of this because Jesus showed us how to resist the devil. Remember? He's in the desert, he's in the wilderness and he's hungry and he's thirsty and the devil comes to him, the physical, the devil comes to him and says, hey, you hungry? hungry? I kind of imagine him in like a white suit. Hey, you hungry? Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus' countermeasure is always the Word of God. In all three instances where he's tempted and he's faced with these things, he combats it with the sword of the Spirit, he uses the Word. And after a great battle, the devil flees. Is it hard to resist? First being submitted to God, but then resisting against the devil. Is resisting difficult? Answer, yes. Absolutely, 100%. And you know what? No matter how much you do it in your own strength, we will never win the battle. In fact, we'll probably get burnout. We see this in another really cool illustration in electricity. Electricity. An awesome illustration. You know, there's these there's these resistances in, in copper lines. Mike Basham, I got gotcha. you. And, and he's going to correct me if I'm wrong afterwards, so this is good. But as I've been tinkering with different things, for example, a furnace and a fan motor. You know, I, I'm working and, and I'm working on a ceiling and I hear the automatic thing go on and I hear, and I go, that doesn't sound right. So I open up the the furnace and I take off the filters and I look at the fan motor and it's dead stopped and I know it's trying to flick on and I hear the electricity to the motor and I'm wondering, does it just need a push? Does it just need a spin? Okay, I I should be careful because this thing probably has got really powerful stuff. If I stick my finger in there, it's going to flip me over. (laughs) It's going to take my finger off. Let me use something. Uh, A pin. (laughs) and it starts up it needed a little push there was this resistance going on where the force of the electricity or (laughs) the bad wires inside the motor couldn't overcome the force it took to break it free to start the wind blowing and what about in our spiritual life it's the same exact way we have this struggle, this battle against the devil that is daily. It's day by day. And the only way that we will overcome is by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of God. Jesus in us. And I mean that absolute 100% literally. Because on on a circuit board, there's resistors. And this is really cool pay attention for like two more minutes and then you can go to sleep. The copper lines that come to the resistors are made out of copper. But inside the resistor it's not. It's like chrome and nickel alloys. And you know what's cool is it's different. It's a new creation altogether. And the Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 5:17. We know that those who are in Christ are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Chrome alloy, nickel alloy. We're not like the world. We are not copper. Okay? Although it's a good conductor. Chrome alloy. Resistor. The only way that it resists the electricity is it's different. It has a whole different makeup all all the way from the inside out. And if it were from the outside in, the well, let me rephrase that. If parts of it were copper, it wouldn't work. It needs to be pure. It needs to be purely different. And in verse 8, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's a cleansing that needs to happen. And how does that happen? How does the purification process happen? Well, we need to draw near to God. There's an illustration. uh, You've probably heard it before, but maybe you haven't. And let's just imagine for a second, you're in a little canoe, a little rowboat. And you're off the shore, let's say 100 yards. And you have your little anchor in and nice peaceful day glass outside and you look to the shore and you have your little oar and you pick up the anchor and you begin paddling in now is the shore getting closer to you or are you getting closer to the shore it's a little bit of both but the shore doesn't move but it's always there And as we draw near to God, he promises to draw near to us. But we can never forget that if we forsake him, he will forsake us. And that's found in 2 Chronicles 15.2. And so we need a purpose to draw near to God, to cleanse our hands. You know, it's... I I don't know if it's a a spiritual thing or just a physical thing, but when you see people's hands dirty, don't you just want to clean them? (laughs) Josiah was playing on the ground and Luke's playing on the ground today and it's the asphalt and they're wiping like sweat and you see the finger marks on their face and then they're wiping their hands on their shorts and they have khaki shorts and they're black. (laughs) And I'm going, guys, Stop wiping your hands. And then Josiah's in the corner throwing up dirt and running underneath the dust. And I go, okay. Then I had like a big water bottle and I just start washing their hands. And God wants to do the same for us. You know what? It's real hard for me to take that water bottle and hit them like 50 yards away and get their hands clean. But when they come over to dad and they put their hands out, I just pour it right in there. And they just start doing that. And they come clean. Josiah even goes, look, I came clean. My hands are clean. It was <laughs> just a little bit of water. And God wants to wash our hands, but we need to draw near to him. He wants to purify our hearts. And let's not be one foot in and one foot out. Don't be double-minded. Although it's a temptation, and we do live in this world, Let's submit to God and understand that we are not of this world. And whatever temptation or however the devil is coming after you, or maybe he's got you in a place where you don't even know he's attacking. And it's like Peter and Jesus is saying, hey, the devil wants to sift you, pray. I've been praying for you. Maybe it's a season like that where we can draw near to the Lord and ask Him how we can resist the devil so he can flee. Because I guarantee you, he's on the attack. He roams around like a lion, seeking those who he may devour. I don't want to be devoured by a lion. Verse 9 says, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You know, I think this is just saying, get serious. Get serious. Let's not go around crying and mourning and weeping all day. It doesn't mean that you can never laugh again, that you have to cry the rest of your life, that you have to live in gloom. I think James is just saying, hey guys, you know, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's better to be in a house of mourning than it is having a party. Why? Because in those moments, we're drawn to the Lord. We are drawn closer to Him. And it's almost like this pulling effect where God says, hey, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. Oh, you're not? Okay. I'm going to pull you in. (laughs) I'm going to make you draw near to me. And however it is, His will will be done. You know, I'm going through uh, the book of Ezra right now, studying for the upcoming men's study. And one day I was uh, barbecuing with Pastor Brian and I just said, "Hey, I got a question. I got a question because Cyrus, uh, he issues this decree and he says, hey, everybody, uh, all you Jews, go home. And I said, that's no advantage to him whatsoever. In fact, it's a disadvantage for him to send these people away. Why did it happen? And I caught myself saying, well, I know that the Bible says that God stirred his heart. (laughs) He he turned to me just a little bit with a hot dog, and he just kind of gave me one of these. (laughs) And then I said, so what do you think? He goes, well... (laughs) If God wants something done, He's going to do it. And if you're not drawing near to Him, He might make you draw near to Him. He loves you. And by His kindness and by His love, He will draw us to Himself. And if He hasn't drawn you this night or maybe any other night to Himself, then I would ask you and plead with you to just come before Him and say, Lord, Draw me to yourself. Let me hear your voice once again. Renew in me this spirit. Renew in me this heart. Allow me to hear that voice. And the last verse in verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's interesting how God promises to resist the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And I know for many years, I was very proud, more than I am now. I'm sure I've got pride in me. But I thought that the way to make friends and to be cool was to be like super ego. Right? I thought the girls would like it. (laughs) Well, I had a couple friends, but you know when I've known that the real friends that have lasted the longest in this part of my life is just being real, just being humble. Letting them know that I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. I don't get it right. And those friends, the ones who don't always kiss you on the cheek, but they give you a wound and they're faithful, realizing that being humble, and what what's a point that I want you to recognize is let's not be humbled by God because that hurts and he'll use it why don't we humble ourselves instead? And then God will lift us up. It's like this, this section of scripture is giving us like the, the highway with no traffic. It's like the auto bond, no speed limit. Boom. Right there, easy. Or surface streets with every red light. Man. You, which one you want? You want good MPG or bad? And he's given it to us right here. He says, look, check out these signs. Submit to God. Only in this one area. No. Submit to God in every area. That song that we've been singing over the weeks and weeks, Surrender, Surrender. It's like it's coming up. Surrender. Whatever it is, surrender it to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee. There will come resistance, but because we are made a new creation in Christ Jesus, because we're that chrome alloy, let's resist the devil by the power of his spirit. Let's draw near to God, whatever way. If we're drawn closer to the shore, or if he's got a big rope and he's pulling us in, let's draw near. Wash our hands, purify our hearts, and let's get serious. And humble yourself. And I don't know what that means, but today God is saying, humble yourself to stand for him, to stand for your wife, to stand for your kids. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. The Lord showed me something a a few days ago um, from, you know, just talking with Pastor B about a few things. He, he has said to me in the past, you know what? You can never be a substitute Jesus for somebody. And that is absolutely 100% true. There's only one Jesus. <laughs> and there's also something else within that that I don't want you to get fatigued about. If God has called you to reach out to someone, to help them, maybe it's once a year, maybe it's once a month, Maybe it's every single day. Why not? Why not? Let's burden ourselves to bring people to Christ. Let's go out of our way and do that reckless love for people to bring them to the kingdom. Let's humble ourselves and then God will lift us up. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you so much, Lord, um, for this epistle. And Lord, uh, for the encouraging words that uh, your servant James has for us. Lord, I pray that as we just continue to go through this book, that you'd bless the studies, that you'd bless the worship. And Lord, I ask uh, for those here and for those listening online, that if at this moment we haven't submitted to God or given our hearts fully to Him, that we would do so today, from here forward, in every area of our life. Lord, that we would have the fullness of what You've called us to do. Lord, You are working in us to will and to do. And I pray that by Your Spirit, Lord, we would walk in that And that we would draw near to you. Lord, keep us real close. Help us not to stray off. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you love us. And we thank you for the fellowship here, Lord, and the love that you've given to this church. And I just want to pray, Lord, for the kids in the children's ministry right now, Lord, as we're raising up this new generation of kids, that you'd bless them with your word, that, Lord, they can put on the full armor of God that they can fight the devil with the sword of the Spirit, Lord. That shield of faith, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation. Lord, the the shoes that are trodden with the gospel of peace. Not forgetting for a second, Lord, that you're our rear guard. We have prayer. That breastplate of righteousness. Thank you, Father, for what you've given to us, the weapons that we have to fight against the devil. And I pray, Lord, that we would use them, that we'd wake up and put them on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.